book that would like to have one have back here, okay? Brother Phil, would you see that she gets this? You'll have to get the answer from somebody else on the rest of it there. Also, uh, last week I handed out, man, we did a study two week, three weeks ago on where does a person go when he dies? And I printed out the notes. I think we ran out of them last week. I have extras if anybody would like one of those, okay? Phil, take these for me, please. Before we get started on this, I want to read a little article to you that I found. I don't know about you, I was um, disappointed in the outcome of the election across our country. Uh, they was expecting a red wave, and I was hoping for that, but it didn't seem to go as much as they thought it would, and it's still not over yet. But I, I see our country going in a direction that's bad. I'm sure many of you do too. So much contrary to God's word. And here's an article that I found. I want to read it to you. And I see our, our country going the same direction. This was said a sports star jailed 10 months for what was called a transphobic message that God created Adam and Eve. I can read this to you. You have to excuse me when I pronounce his name. It's very strange. Uh, but uh, it's important not the name, but what happened to him. One of the most legendary soccer players uh, of his time revealed excuse me, received a jail sentence and a fine for posting what was called a transphobic um, social media messages citing the Bible's creation account that God created Adam and Eve. They said, wrote the retired Greek football legend. His name was Facilis Tarsartus, if I said it correctly. But anyway, he was a Greek uh, soccer player. And it said, in the second of two Facebook posts, opposing a 2017 law that would have lowered the, uh, the age to legally change one's gender to 15 and remove other legal barriers. The 49-year-old initially responded by saying, I hope that the first sex changes will be made to the children of those who voted for this abomination. Members of the parliament may um, as well legalize pedophiles and complete their crimes against nature, he wrote. While citing the book of Genesis, the 18-year soccer standout explained his faith-based objection to ex extreme gender ide ideology and the redefinition of marriage. Anyone can have his preferences, whether he's a man or woman, but I'm completely, and I completely respect that. For me, however, a couple is only a man and a woman. The rest are just together. I said, I'm not going to accept all the weddings and parades of anything else that's contrary to the word of God. And it says, he goes on to say that um, he said that God created Adam and Eve. The rest of the gender uh, identities were manufactured by man, he concluded. As a result of this, he received a 10-month uh, prison sentence and uh, uh, also 5,000 euros uh, fine for saying that. And so... Uh, 
that's not, that was over in Greece, but I see America going in that direction right now. And so it probably won't be much longer if the Lord tarries that um, preachers will get, go to jail for preaching such things. And so I think you and I as Christians have to come to a conclusion what you're going to say and not say, what you're going to believe and not believe. And for believing the Bible may cost you tremendously. It may cost you uh, possessions. It may cost you uh, jail time. And so uh, it's just, I, I see our country going that direction unless, unless the Lord tarries. I don't know about you. I hope he comes back before that time. Amen. And so, but anyway, I slow off the subject. I want to let you know, as your pastor, I'm not going to compromise the Bible. I'm going to preach what the Bible says and let the chips fall where it may. And so I believe the church might be the last uh, place it might get persecution, uh, but it's coming. It's coming. All right. Let's continue our study on Satan. And uh, by the way, it shouldn't surprise us when the world is getting worse and worse. Uh, I keep hoping it might get better. Maybe uh, people will get in office that will turn, try to turn the world back around or country back around to biblical ideas. But we are living in Satan's territory. We're seeing tonight that Satan is the prince of this world, that he's the god of this world. It should not surprise us when the world goes contrary to the Bible. And I believe the world's going to get worse and worse until Christ returns. So it should not surprise us. Though it may disappoint us, it should not surprise us. All right, we're going to do a quick review from last week, the last part of what we covered last week. I went through quickly, and I'd like to review that, then we'll take up what we left off. We looked at the origin of Satan. Where did he come from? What was his beginnings? And this, uh, a letter C underneath Roman number four of Satan. We covered this last week. I'd like to do it again. I'll go through it quickly. I think it's already in your notes, but I'd like to go through this again. The origin of Satan of course, comes from Ezekiel 28, verses 12 through 18. And uh, the verses will be on the screen, but I hope that you'll maybe highlight that in your Bible. First of all, in verse 12, 12 speaks of Satan's wisdom and beauty. This is prior to his fall. Remember, uh, he was created by God, we're going to see. It says, Son of man, this is Ezekiel speaking, it says, Take up lamentations upon the king of Tyrus. And say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum full of wisdom and beauty, uh, perfect in beauty. The first part of chapter 28, it talks about the prince of Tyrus. The prince of Tyrus is the human authority. The king of Tyrus was the spiritual authority. Behind every government authority, there is a spiritual authority. And usually you can find out what kind of spiritual authority uh, is behind a government authority by the decision the government makes. And we see our government making decisions that are totally contrary to the Bible. And we may begin to wonder what kind of spiritual authority is behind them. So here it talks about the king of Tyrus. Though the prince was a man, the king was none other than Satan himself. And it goes on to say, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou, talking about Satan, was seeing, sealest up the sum, full of wisdom, and perfect in what? Beauty. This talks about Satan before his fall. How many remember what is Satan's name before he fell? Lucifer. That was the name that God gave him. Lucifer means the, the shining one. And basically, Lucifer, before he fell, was full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. 
Next, verse 2 speaks of his appearance and his musical ability. It says in verse 13, Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Now, how many individuals was in Eden, Garden of Eden? Of course, there were four, but the main two was Adam and Eve, and the other one was who? There was God, of course, and the next one was Satan, which appeared to them as a form of a serpent. And so whoever this was, was in Eden also. And said, Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. And it says, Every precious stone was thy covering. And it mentions many different beautiful stones. And it goes on to say also, it says, The workmanship of thy tablets and thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day thou was created. The, work, the word workmanship means occupation, his, his uh, job. So do you realize Satan's job, part of his job in heaven, that he was the music director there? He was created with musical instruments in, uh, as a part of him. It mentioned all these different stones, the sardis, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the ja- jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, the carbuncle, and gold. That I got to share with you last week was interesting. If you do a study in the book of Exodus, when God gave the attire, the covering, the uh, dress of the high priest, which was uh, Aaron. And he was told him to put on a breastplate of 12 stones. Each stone represents the different tribe of Israel. And if you notice, every one of these stones here make up also the stones of the breastplate of Aaron. There's only nine mentioned here, but he had 12 there. But uh, interesting. And, but it goes on to say, and the workmanship, it means the occupation of thy tablets and of thy pipes. So Satan was created with musical abilities. It is believed by many that he was the music director in heaven. When all the angels gathered together to sing and praise God through music, guess who was directing that? It was Lucifer. He was the one who did that. And so he was kicked out of heaven, we're going to see it tonight, for two reasons, that he came to this earth. Now, we are living in Satan's territory. The Bible said he's the prince of this world, He's the God of this world. In fact, remember when the uh, temptation of Christ, they took Jesus up to the high mountains and showed him the kingdoms of the world. He said, I'll give these to you if you fall down and worship me. Of course, they was his to give. This is his domain. We are living behind enemy territory in this domain. And so basically, think about this. If Satan was created with musical abilities and used his abilities to glorify God in heaven, would not he use those abilities now on earth to glorify himself here? And uh, the point I'm getting at is so much of music in the church has changed. And so much of the music in church today is no different than the church than the music in bars across the street. I think I shared with you last week that Fanny Crosby, who was blind, he, she wrote many of our fav- favorite hymns, she, in her testimony, said when she walked around town, the way she could tell that she walked, whether it was by a bar or by a church, was by the music that came out of it. That's not true today. You can go walk by a bar on Saturday night and walk by a church on Sunday morning. The music is the same. Now, the lyrics might be different. They might be using words of Scripture, but the music itself is just, just the same. You know, the Bible says... The Bible says that when we, a person that's a friendship of the world is enmity against God. And the friend of the world is an enemy of God. 
And so many churches have become so friendly with the world by the music they play in the church. And so many in churches almost like to go into a rock concert. I mean, the pastor comes out and they blow out all kind of uh, uh, fog and they get up there and it's just like a rock concert. And I believe that uh, grieves God tremendously because you cannot tell the music from many churches uh, on Sundays, the music in the bars, which is tragic. And so I think Satan is using his abilities he wants to use in heaven to glorify God now to pollute uh, the worship of God in many churches today. We could spend a lot more time on that. But again, Satan was created with musical ability. Number, th number three, here it speaks of his original position. It says, thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. Now, I will stop there. If you ever do a study on the tabernacle, the tabernacle had two parts, had what's called the holy place, and then another compartment called the holy of holies. And it was uh, divided by a, a big veil between the two. The holy of holies was where God dwelt. And, the, and there was a, one piece of furniture was called the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant, the lid was a pure gold, and the lid was made up of two angels with their wings hovered over the throne. And that was a picture of heaven. There were two angels. They were cherubim. Cherubim is plural. There were cherubs that hovered over the throne of God where he sat. And one of those was Satan. He says, thou, the anointed cherub that what? Covereth. Now, we know that God took cherubim. When he kicked Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden, he put cherubims, that's plural, of cherub on, uh, on the gates and kept them out. But basically, Satan once was one of the very angels that hovered over the throne of God. Uh, and it says there, and they believe there, to guard his holiness. But he was anointed cherub the cover. That talks about his original position before he fell. Number, number four, verse 15, speaks of his practice and his origin. He says, thou was perfect in thy ways from the day that thou was what? Created. Do you realize Satan was created by God himself? He was one that we're going to see the most beautiful creature God created. Probably the most powerful creature God created. And he was perfect in his ways. It says, until iniquity was found in thee. So he was perfect in his ways, and the day was created. So he's a created being by God himself. Angels were created with what you and I have, with a free will. They could choose to worship God or choose not to. And Satan chose not to. We're going to talk about in a few months why he fell, but he had a free will, and we know that when he fell, he took one-third of the angelic host with him, and now they're called the devil and his angels, demons. Number five, verse 16, 17, speaks of his sin, his fall, and the cause of each. And notice that by the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled in the midst of thee with violence. Thou hast sinned, speaking of Lucifer or Satan, therefore I will cast thee as a profane out of the mountain of God. That's where God dwelt. I will destroy thee, O covering cherub. Again, talking about his position and who he was. From the midst of the stones of fire, he said, thy heart was lifted up because of thy what? Beauty. Basically, because of his most beautiful appearance, he became very prideful. And he, his heart was lifted up because of his beauty. 
And, and it's interesting, when I was in Bible college, I just something I noticed, and I think most of us, factually younger, we like to, we're very, mm, uh, may I use the word, uh, desiring to look our best. And uh, girls want to be the most beautiful in the world, and guys want to be the most handsome in the world. And I have found out from my this experience I've seen that usually a person that's very, very attractive has greater temptation. When I was in Bible college, some of the most beautiful girls and the most handsome guys are the ones that fell by the wayside and did not follow the Lord in, in, in their uh, service because of the temptation. And um, I didn't have anything to worry about there myself. And, but anyway, <laughs> but I think many times they say, boy, I wish I was the most beautiful thing. My friend, there is always uh, 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 temptation with that. Satan was the most beautiful creature God created. And because of that, his heart was lifted up. Let me ask you something. Are, are you happy the way you look? <laughs> and when you was a teenager, if you could have changed the way you look, would you have changed it? Most of us say, you know, we look at some movie star that is just most desirous by all, all kind of people and say, I want to look like that. You know, God created you the, the way you look for a purpose. And I realize that, you know, I'm the way, I look the way I do because God created me that way, and I'm happy with that. But there was a time I wasn't because I said, I want to look like that guy. <laughs> I want to have his physique and all this kind of stuff. But my friend, with, uh, with beauty comes temptation. And I don't think there's anything wrong with desiring to look nice. We all look our best. But you've got to realize if you're the most beautiful thing that a man ever saw, my friend, you're going to have a lot of temptation and, and, and so on. But anyway, I want to get off on that. But Satan fell because of his what? Because of his beauty. And he goes on to say, God said, I will cast thee to the ground. God judged him and, and because of his uh, uh, sin there. Number six, the last one, it speaks of his judgment. Thou hast defied thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thy iniquities and by the iniquity of thy traffic. Therefore will I bring forth a fire from the midst of thee to devour thee. I will bring thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold thee. Of course, we know the Bible says God created a place called hell. He did not create hell for man. He created hell for the devil. We're going to see that in the conclusion of our study of Satan that he will end up in hell one day because it was created as a place of judgment for him and his angels. Now, man goes there not by God's choice, but by their own choice. God made a way to go to heaven through his son, Jesus Christ. But if you reject Christ, you're choosing hell. There's only one or two places you'll go when you die, either heaven to be with God through Jesus Christ or to hell by rejecting Christ. The choice is yours. I don't know about you. I trusted Christ. And I want to go to heaven when I die. All right. Letter D. This is where we left off last week. You don't have this filled in. The fall of Satan. We saw the, uh, his origin back in Ezekiel. Now, the fall is in Isaiah. I got all of it here on the board for you. And you can maybe highlight that someday in your Bible. Look what it says in Isaiah uh, chapter 14. And here it talks about why he fell. He says, how art thou fallen from heaven, O who, what? Lucifer. Lucifer means the shining one. Many believe the morning star. But Lucifer was the shining one. He says, How art thou fallen from heaven, Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which is weak in the nations? And here's the reason why. 
For thou hast said in thy heart. And notice here, there's five I wills. Satan said. He said, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation of the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clown, clouds. I will be like what? The most high. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell in the sides of the pit. God, his I will. So basically, he was saying, I want to be like God. I want God's position. I want to, uh, said, I want to be like the most high. I want to exalt myself above his throne. I want to be greater than God. And basically, here's the reason. The cause of Satan's fall, he exalted his will above God's. By the way, have you ever done that before? Any Christian said, I want to live the way I want to, is exalting your will above God. And that was the reason of his fall. He said, I will. Let me go back to that. You see that. Five times mentioned there. I encourage you to look up Isaiah and underline each one of those. I will, I will, I will, I will. And he said, I will be like the Most High. And so his beauty caused him to become prideful. And he wanted God's position. And I will be like the Most High. Now, uh, my friend, that was stupid on his part. <laughs> uh, how he ever think that he could be greater than God or oppose God and get away with it, uh, I don't know. But we do know the very last we see of him in Revelation, he gathers again with himself and the armies of the world to fight against God. And he loses. And, and so... I can't imagine someone who is in the very presence of God and seeing God in all his glory and his power and his majesty to think that he could defeat him. <laughs> and so all his superior intellect, he's far more smart and superior than I. But my friend, that was, I use the word dumb on his part to think he could do that. And because of his pride, of his beauty, and I would be like the Most High, God says, okay. He removed him from his position and cast him down this earth. So the cause of Satan's fall, he exalted his throne, his will above God. By the way, when you exalt your will above God, can I say the same thing? That's dumb. <laughs> That's not very smart on our part. But how often do we think, I want to live my own way. I want to do my own thing. My friend, that's not smart. And we know someone who did that and what it cost him. We ought to learn from that. All right, the location of Satan. Where's, where's Satan located right now? The world thinks he's in a kingdom. He's in a palace in hell. <laughs> My friend, hell, Satan fears hell like all of us do because it's created for him. But where's he located at right this moment? I'm glad you asked. It is narrow to think that the devil, as a living in the palace in hell, his location is in the heavens. Remember, there's three heavens. There's the first heaven is where the birds and the uh, uh, atmosphere which we breathe. The second heaven is where the stars and planets are. The third heaven is the abode of God. And again, I know you've heard this, but those who are here may be new. The first heaven we see by day. We go outside, we see the clouds, the atmosphere. That's the first heaven. The second heaven we see by night. Whether now you see the stars and planets. That's the second heaven. The third heaven we see by faith. That's God's abode. That's far beyond the, this uh, third heaven. But I wish I had time to you. Did you notice back there when Satan talked about when he fell, 
that he's going to make his throne above in the sides of the north. The Bible says, no, promotion cometh neither from the east nor the west nor the south, but promotion comes from God. The verse lives out in the north because I believe God dwells in the north. And, and so that's where, and if you'll notice, there, you ever did a study of what they call the black hole? There's a hole in space that has nothing there, and there's a black hole that's over the North Star. Interesting. Many people believe at the rapture, when a rapture, that we'll be raptured up and go through that black hole, the North Star, and go to heaven. That's man's thinking. <laughs> but by the way, we know that God is in the North, far beyond the furthest star. That's the boat of God. But Satan's domain is in the first and second heaven. The atmosphere which we breathe and where the stars and planets are, that's his domain. And when he was kicked out, he was kicked out and now is kicked out to this earth. The primary location is the first heaven, the atmosphere which we breathe. He has access to the throne of God. Though he has been removed, he lost his position in heaven, he still has access there. Now, it's not until Revelation 12 that he's kicked out completely and no longer have access there. But in Revelation 12, 10, he said, I heard a voice, a loud voice, saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. And it goes on to say, For the accuser of our brethren is what? Cast down, which accused them before our God, excuse me, day and night. So basically, Satan, though he has lost his position in heaven, he's no longer a cherub that covers the throne of God. He's been kicked out of heaven and lost his position. He's, he's been kicked down to this atmosphere. This is his domain. We live in it. But he has access to heaven. Why does he go there? He is the accuser of our what? Brethren, it's you and I. And we're going to look at a story of that. Who do we have a story in Scripture where he accused someone before God? Job, we're going to look at that tonight. He accused Job before God. But basically, he accuses you. And um, we know Satan is a liar. He may try to lie to God, but God can see right through it. But how many times do we give him something to accuse us for that's true? He brings our sins before God. He'll bring your fault before God and say, Hey, look at Pastor Peterson. He's supposed to be a pastor. He's a child of your... Uh, your Son, and look what he's doing. And he may bring your name before God and do the same thing. And, of course, we have an advocate with the Father. The word advocate means an attorney or a, someone there in our behalf. Who is that? Jesus Christ. And he speaks up on our behalf, and he may say, I don't know what he says, but he may say, you know, he may say, Father, David did wrong, but I paid for that. And he's been washed in the blood. It's been forgiven. And the devil has to go leave. <laughs> but he does that how often? Day and night. I mean, he's busy. Because a lot of Christians give him a reasons to accuse, and he constantly goes before God and accuses the brethren. How many times has he accused you before God? I don't know. But we give, how many times have you given him a reason to accuse? <laughs> we all have, haven't we? He dwells on earth among men. He has access to the throne of God, but he dwells on this earth among men. We see that in Job, in chapter 1, verse 6. We're going to turn to this in a few moments, but not right now. 
It says, now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And guess who came with them? And Satan came also among them. Now, the sons of God there, I believe, is a term given to angels. The sons of God is given to four different uh, groups of individuals. Jesus Christ is called the Son of God by relationship to the Father. Christians are called the sons of God by regeneration. And Adam was called the Son of God by creation. But angels are also called the sons of God. It said the sons of God came to present themselves before God, and Satan was among them. And I believe these were here, possibly fallen angels, that came before God, and Satan was among them. And he goes on to say, And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? And that's what he said here. And Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro, where? In the earth, and walking up and down in it. My friend, this is his domain. So here he goes to heaven. We're going to show you in a few moments. He is going to accuse Job of doing something wrong. And God asked him, now God, God asked him, where did he come from? By the way, God knew where he come from. This information is not for God to learn something. He already knew it. It's for you and I to understand. So this is written for our uh, to learning. He said, where comest thou? He says, from going to and fro in the earth and walking up and down in it. If you've got your Bibles, go now to 1 Peter chapter 5, please. 1 Peter chapter 5. Here we see a very similar verse. 1 Peter 5. Here God asked Satan, Satan, where where'd you come from? He said, I come from the earth. I've been going to and fro in the earth, walking up and down in it. So this is his domain. This is his territory. He got cast him here when he fell from heaven. In 1 Peter chapter 5, look with me in verse 8, please. 1 Peter 5, 8. Very similar to what we see here written in the book of Job. 1 Peter 5, verse 8. In fact, he's speaking to Christians here. He says, be sober, be what? Vigilant. Now that means to watch and be awake. It's talking about spiritual sobriety, not physical. By the way, you should always be physically sober. <laughs> but it's about spiritually sober. Be watchful, be alert. Why? Because your adversary who? The devil. Read on. As a roaring lion. What's he doing? Walking about, seeking whom he may what? Where is he walking at? The earth, to and fro, up and down in it. So he's looking for people that he may devour. The word devour means talking about control. So Satan would love to devour you as a believer. But the Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Who do we have living inside of us that's more powerful than Satan? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is who? God. <laughs> It's the third person of the Godhead. God himself dwells in us. In fact, Christ, Christ in me, the hope of glory, that he lives inside of us. And greater is he that is in you than he is in the world. That's talking about Satan. Satan, though, as powerful as he is, there's someone far greater than him that lives inside of every believer. That's the reason a believer cannot be demon-possessed, because you're God-possessed. The Spirit of God indwelt you when you were saved permanently. Next. Now, the character of Satan. 
the character of Satan. First of all, he has great dignity. The word dignity means nobility, being nobility. He has great dignity. There's two titles given to Satan that gives him great dignity or nobility. The first of all, uh, in John 12, 31, now is the judgment of the world. It said, and now shall the prince of this world be what? Cast out. So Satan is a prince. And that gives him dignity. That gives him nobility because of the title he has of his position on this earth. He's a prince of this earth. But also, the Bible said he's the God of this world. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So Satan has great dignity because he's a prince and he's a God. Now, he's a God not by attributes. He's not like that. He's a God in the sense that people worship him. Just like they worship a false God, they worship him. He's, he don't have the attributes of a God. Only God has that. He's nothing compared to God. But he's called the God of this world, the prince of this world. He has great dignity. Number two, he has great power. Satan has great power. In Acts 26, verse 17, delivering me, this happened to us when we were saved. Delivering me, talking about Paul here, delivered thee from the people, from the Gentiles, unto whom now I send thee. God sent Paul. Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles. Peter was the apostle to the Jews. To send thee to the Gentiles. Why? To open their eyes, talking about spiritually, to turn them from darkness to light, and from what? The power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith in me. By the way, that happened to you when you were saved. When you were saved, your eyes were open spiritually. You were turned from darkness to light. You were turned from the power of Satan unto God. All unbelievers under the power of Satan, under his control. That was the same of you before you were saved. The Bible says prior to salvation, we were enemies of God. We were living contrary to God. Our own way, walking into the course of this world and contrary to God. So when you got saved, that changed. Next, uh, another verse, I'm sorry, but he has great power. In Hebrews 2, 14, For as much then as the children are partakers of the flesh and blood, he, talking about Jesus, also himself likewise took part of the same, that through the death he might destroy him that had the power of what? Death, that is the devil. In other words, Jesus Christ took on human flesh. Why? That by dying on the cross, that he might destroy Satan and remove the power of death from him. And somebody said, does he have power over death? Can Satan bring death? We know that at the fall, who is attributed to the fall? Who is the cause of the fall, put it that way? Satan was. Adam and Eve chose to disobey because of Satan. So basically, maybe that referred to that. But we know that Satan has the power to take lives. Only under God's permission. You remember, we're going to show you in a few moments, if time allows us, when Satan was talking to God about Job. And Satan accused him of a couple of things. 
And the second thing, he said, the reason Job serves you, he said, if you take away his health, and he'll curse you to his face. And God said, okay, you can take away his health, but you cannot take his life. Satan cannot take a life except with God's permission. And so even Job, we're going to get to that in a moment, that Satan has the power to take health from a person with God's permission. Everything Satan does is under the permission of God. Satan is powerful, but God is omnipotent. And he's under, uh, God is sovereign. Satan is not sovereign. And Satan can only do that which God allows. So he has access to the throne of God, his great power. Number three, he has great cunning and deceit. The word cunning means craftiness. He has great craftiness and deceit. In Ephesians 6, 11, he says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the what? Wild. The word wiles means cunning, craftiness, trickery. My friend, Satan is very crafty. He's very cunning. And how many people has he defeated? How many Christians have fallen away from God because of Satan's temptation, his craftiness, and his uh, ability? He's very cunning and deceitful. Remember, he's a liar and the father of it. He'll promise you all kinds of stuff. And uh, remember, he's lying. The work of Satan. The work of Satan. First of all, he tempts men to sin. Satan tempts men to sin. Paul said, for this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know, speaking to the church of Thessalonica, to know of your faith, lest by some means the tempter, who's the tempter? Satan, have tempted you, and our labor be in vain. This is after Paul established, he went to Thessalonica, he led people to Christ, he established a local church there. And when he left, he wrote them a letter. And he wanted to make sure that they're following through with the teachings he did from God's word, that they're still living for Christ. But his concern was, he said, I could uh, uh, no longer forbear, I sent to know how you're doing in your faith lest by some means the tempter have tempted you and I labor in vain. All the work I did in your life as a Christian, I want to make sure it's not in vain. And Satan did not tempt you to fall away from God. But the tempter is Satan and he would tempt you to sin. Next, he produces sickness. Satan produces sickness. In Luke 13, 11, it says here, and behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed together. It means she was crippled and could not rise, up, lift herself up. She was bowed over, crippled physically and just bowed over and could not even stand up erect because of her physical condition of being crippled. And it goes on to say, and ought not this woman being the daughter of Abraham, talking about Jew, whom Satan hath what? bound, lo, these 18 years, be loose from this uh, bond of the, on the Sabbath day. Christ healed her. But for 18 years, she was crippled because Satan did that to her. So Satan has the power to cripple and to produce sickness. Next, he lays snares and traps for men. 
he lays snares and traps for men. 2 Timothy 2, verse 26, that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil whom, uh, who are taken captive by him at his will. But so many Christians, so many people are taken captive by Satan uh, because they give in to his temptation and to give in to his uh, craftiness and what he uh, tempts them to do. And God can deliver people from them snares. Next he does. Number four, he takes the word out of hearts, the word of God out of hearts. Am I going too fast? Okay. I'm covering some quickly. Others will slow down on. Here's the parable of the sower. You ever read the parable of the sower? When the sower sows the seed, the word of God, and it falls on four different soils. And the first one here in Luke 8, 12, and it said, remember, he sowed the seed, some fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured the seed, lest the seed would grow up. Here's the, the explanation of that. Those by the wayside are they that hear, hear the word, and cometh the devil, and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be what? Saved. These people heard the gospel, heard how to be saved, and, and, uh, and Satan came and took the word from them, lest they should believe and be saved. They never got saved. How does Satan take the word from the heart of men? Ever thought about that? It chokes, and that's another aspect. It made the weeds, but this one did not uh, fall among the weeds. It fell on a, a ground, and Satan came and took it. Uh, we do not know for certain, but let me give you some ideas. Maybe doubt. Then out he calls Eve to doubt God. When someone hears the gospel that Christ died for them and wants to forgive them, they have doubts. I don't believe God can forgive me. Look what I've done. Look how terrible life would I How could God forgive that? Doubts. And because the doubts cause them not to trust Christ. I, I think in the most effective one is uh, procrastination. I'll trust Christ, but not now. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll put it off. I know how to get saved. I'll put it off, and I'll wait till later. And later may not come. They may die before it happens. I believe that many people in hell and go to hell, God said, I, I was going to do that. I was going to trust you. I was planning on it. But procrastination. Another way Satan could take the hearts, the word from the hearts. There's many different ways. But if you're saved, he wasn't successful in your life, okay? But how many of you heard the gospel several times before you trusted Christ? Anybody here? You heard how to get saved many times before you trusted Christ. Aren't you so glad that Satan didn't take that from your heart in that meantime? He could have, and maybe you put it off. I don't know why you didn't trust Christ, but I'm so glad that you did. <laughs> and so, but he does that. So basically, if you ever bring an unsaved person to your church and you want to get saved, pray for them. Because when they hear the gospel, Satan may come and take their word from their hearts. And uh, what ways he does, I may not know about, but he's very successful, lest they should believe and be saved. So pray for the unsaved that in church on Sundays that they would make the decision to trust Christ and not put it off or not doubt it or question it. Another thing he does, he develops strongholds in the life of believers. Satan develops strongholds in the life of believers. 
A verse for this is 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, means fleshly, but mighty through God to the pulling down of what? Strongholds. What he's saying here, we know that the, our, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the spiritual wickedness in high places. So in the spiritual realm, your battle is not physical. It is what? Spiritual. It said though we walk, we live in this physical body, we don't war after the flesh. It's not physically speaking. Uh, of the weapons of warfare are not carnal, fleshly. The weapons we use against Satan is not a shotgun. It's not a baseball bat. It's not a knife. It's not physical. They were carnal. The weapons of warfare are spiritual. What are the weapons of our warfare? Can I give you two of them? One of them is the word of God. It's called the sword of the spirit. And what's the next one? Prayer. <laughs> Prayer is the second one. These are weapons in our spiritual warfare. How much time do you spend in God's word? How much of God's word do you know in your life, in your heart? David said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not, what? Sin against thee. And by the way, what did Jesus Christ use against Satan when he was tempted? The word of God. He was tempted three times. And each time, what did Christ do? He quoted scripture. He used the sword of the spirit. So, though we live in the flesh, we don't war after the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not physical, but the idea is spiritual, but mighty through God to the pulling down of what? Satan has many of a stronghold of many believers. Areas which they struggle with, they cannot get victory over. Do you have an area in your life you cannot get victory over? We all have our weaknesses, do we not? Nobody's perfect. My weakness may not be your weakness. Yours may not be mine. But we all have them. And Satan will use your weakness as a stronghold to keep you from growing closer to God. What is your weakness? And we'll talk about that more later on, how to have victory over that. Uh, next thing Satan does, he develops strongholds in the life of believers, but also he blinds people's minds. He blinds people's minds. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the what? Minds of them which believe not. Not their eyes, their understanding. We need to close with this. I got two minutes before it's 8 o'clock. And we need to stop there because many need to get your children in Rwanda. But please listen. We know Satan does not necessarily blind people's eyes. You can have 20-20 vision and still go to hell. They, he blinds our understanding of the gospel. And what is Satan's counterfeit gospel? The gospel of good works. Thank you. If he can get you to believe you've got to be good to go to heaven, you believe the lie. And he blinds people. Every other religion in the world today teaches salvation by works, by human merit. And the only one that teaches salvation by faith alone is Christianity. And all religion says do to go to heaven. Christianity says what? Done. It's all done. Your job, simply believe it. How many glad it's done? That's what you, know, you can know it. He didn't say it's partially done. He said it's all been done. But anyway, we've got to stop there. And so we'll take what we left off. 
So please bring your notebooks next week. Now, please listen. Two weeks from tonight is this. Wednesday before Thanksgiving, we will not have service that night. Because that's the day before Thanksgiving. Many will be away for Thanksgiving. Many of you will be stay home cooking for Thanksgiving. So we will not have service that night. So we will be here next Wednesday night. We'll take up what we left off on our study on our arch enemy, Satan. Let's bow together, please. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you for the instruction booklet you've been given to us to understand our arch enemy. And the Bible says that we're not ignorant of his devices because we have a book that tells us how he operates. Father, help us understand our adversary, that we can be sober, that we can be vigilant, because our adversary, the devil, is roaring by Ryan, is seeking to devour us. Help us to live according to your word and practice what God says concerning our enemy, Satan. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.